Thank you for choosing this episode of the Lunch Pill Guys podcast. If you like anything you hear, subscribe to us on your favorite podcast platform, as well as follow us on all of our social medias at lunchpillguys underscore on TikTok, Instagram, and Twitter. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Lunch Pill Guys podcast. Episode 136, or at least 136 weeks of us doing this podcast. I welcome in the crew, Bart, Jared, and Lucas. Unfortunately, due to some unfortunate circumstances, Aiden will be with us today. But we are going to put together the best show that the Lunch Pill guys have ever done in his honor. <laughs> Wait, let's start oh, yeah. with some news that we missed. F1 signed a new and a much more lucrative deal with ESPN. Jared, Lucas, what do you guys think about that? Good for them, um, and it's his yeah, own. it is good for them. Um, I Netflix was apparently also trying to get the rights to broadcast live sports, which would have been really interesting if they got it. Maybe they'll get it in twenty twenty five when it renews, but uh, or when the contract expires, rather. But very interesting. Good for them. Yeah, good for them. The Astros threw a combined no hitter against the Yankees. Big round of applause for that. Pretty stupid. Not real. Like, Not a real no hitter. Bad for, bad for bad baseball. baseball. Combined no hitters are bad for baseball. <laughs> Yeah, hollow right. stats. Yep, don't matter. If we got together, the four of us could throw a combined no hitter. It's easy <laughs> when you have more than one pitcher. <laughs> what? <laughs> I do it on my. We own. also Wait think we minute. could. We also <laughs> think we could like beat up the Astros team. So I mean, I mean, it's not the most far fetched thing that probably, that's been said on this podcast. We said Jose Altuve is like five six. You know, <laughs> but he's Jack's home out. runs, man. He packs a punch. I, listen again we're all taller than that just stick a hand out keep it on arm's length you're fine no. <laughs> Unbelievable. both bradley beal and james harden declined their player options today making them free agents although mm. there isn't expected to be much movement both of them are expected to re-sign with their team uh bradley beal is able to get a five-year supermax contract and james harden will get uh he declined for quote financial flexibility for the 76ers mm-hmm. mm. Yeah. Good for him. I think he's going to do that. I think he did do it. I mean, I think that that's like going to be the actual reason because I think he's going to resign. Apparently, they're doing it to clear space to have PJ Tucker. So we'll see. Yeah, Tobias Harris still takes up a max uh, contract there. Funny. Yeah, I've heard apparently that the Kings are a big trade partner. Like they might do. <laughs> of course, they are. The Kings are always a trade partner. <laughs> but for something yeah. like Harris and Thibel for. I forget what the exact package was. It was like Barnes. Then a couple other assets. Just see what happens. So. <laughs> Good for them. The Knicks are expected to pursue Jalen Brunson once the free agency period starts on Thursday. The going contract right now is four years, $110 million. Oh my goodness. Overpay. overpay every every NBA like role player is overpaid, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it would, however, put him at the, as the 14th highest paid point guard in the league, which... If you put that in perspective, maybe that kind of eases, you know, a little bit of the pain there. Yeah, that actually seems reasonable then. Maybe. Yeah. I don't know if he's the fourteenth best point guard in the NBA. That's hmm. I'd have to look at all I'll the point guards, I guess. I'll give him that. <laughs> There's just the salary creep. We saw Shaq's comments about Rudy Gobert. Same thing. Mm-hmm. No. What no. were the comments? He was just like, It's absurd that Rudy Gobert is getting paid two hundred fifty million. It makes him mad. Just like that's just <laughs> what the NBA is now. Nobody yeah, hates the numbers Rudy Gobert more than Shaq though. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> Brunson is also going to meet with the Heat uh, 
before oh. he goes to meet with New York. However, there's a funny connection between Jalen Brunson and the Knicks. Jalen Brunson's dad is an assistant coach on that team. And then his agent is connected to Leon Rose somehow. I should have done mm-hmm. some research there. Um, they are connected pretty tightly there. So it's expected that he's going to sign with the Heat. Anyway, DeJounte Murray was traded to the Hawks for Danilo Gallinari and multiple first-round picks. So once again, Greg Popovich has traded another, the best player on his team, let's say that. Yeah, the tank is on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, is what it is. You got to do what you got to do. NBA draft just happened. A handful of picks. We're actually just going to dive straight into the NBA draft here. Happened last Thursday. And in a last minute surprise, the Magic took Paolo Banchero with the first overall pick. Despite rumors of weeks that they would be taking Jabari Smith, Lucas was taking Banchero the right move. Um... I think taking Paolo here was a mistake, and I think the Magic sort of overthought in taking him over Jabari Smith. It's the the classic thing where, like, NBA draft, NFL draft, we over, always talk about it. There's, like, people overthink it and pick somebody who, like, maybe is a little bit of a, a reach at that position. I just want to look first at, like, a big picture issue with Paolo. Um, I don't think he's either the most NBA-ready of the guys, and I don't think he's the biggest upside of any of the guys. I think Smith... Um, well, might not he might not have like the highest ceiling of anybody in the draft. I think he's the most NBA ready. You're getting a solid three and D wing off the bat, and he'll likely contribute. I think from the beginning of the year. On the reverse of that, I think Chet might not be the most polished product, but I think he's the highest upside of anybody in the draft. So, like in my mind, if you're drafting for NBA ready guy to slot in, you take Smith. If you're drafting for upside, you take Chet. Paolo is neither of those things, um, and I think that for that reason, it's kind of a mistake. Like he's obviously talented; he can get, um, he can get a shot, but he's like his actual shooting and defense are still issues. I'm not sure how quickly those things will resolve. From a fit perspective, I don't though. I don't think it's a bad fit. They needed somebody who's a focal point on the offense, um, and I think Paolo has the potential to be that. They've got a lot of defensive-minded guys. No great scores out there. Guys like Jonathan Isaac, Wendell Carter. So having a guy who can get buckets is important. So for that reason, I think he's a good fit. Um, but I don't think getting a guy just because he might be a fit, like his game fits with your team, is necessarily a good enough reason to draft them. Like I think, well, Chet might have not been the best fit because they have a pretty full front court. Um, I think it might not have been a bad move to get him just because of the upside. And with Jabari, I think he would be a decent fit too, even though he's not as you know electric of a scorer as Paolo, just because you know exactly what you're going to get from him. And he's so solid. So yeah, I think I think they reached a little bit on Paolo. I think that they should have taken either Smith, like I said, because he was the most NBA ready, or Chet because he had the highest upside. I mean, I yeah, I, I don't disagree, but I, I see where they're coming from in the sense like I one thing I read was like if you value offense more than anything, then Paolo should be your number one pick. And clearly, mm-hmm. they like because they were second to last last year in points per game, right? Something like that. So I get it. Like they clearly yeah. need help on that side of the ball. But I agree. Like I agree that Jabari has the higher ceiling, and like I don't know. It's weird though because like I think we often see teams draft players who are uh, more of a upside pick and less of like an immediate fit with their current roster, and it backfires sometimes. Mm-hmm. So it goes both ways. Yeah. No, I totally agree. I think the really confusing thing is that they have they before the draft 
They didn't speak with Paulo. They didn't work out Paulo. They didn't Mm -hmm. do anything with him. And then they picked him number one overall. If it was a ruse to try to put up the smoke screen, why would you do that if you're the number one overall pick? It does not feel like it's a really good pick because they didn't do their due diligence, or at least to the full capacity that we feel like they did. Obviously, they felt like they were comfortable enough with them, but out of everybody that they did, what if at the end of the day, he just doesn't work out for you because you failed to actually you know, check all the, the boxes off with him and go through the full ex- extensive draft uh, process? Super head scratching yeah. to me that they wouldn't reach out to him or interview him or do anything like that at all. Yeah, no, I totally agree. And like you made a good point. It's just like mind boggling. Like you're not faking anybody out. Like you have the number one pick. Like it doesn't matter well, if somebody else knows you're gonna take. I, mean, I don't know. It, it it matters if if you think you can get trade offers. If people think you're gonna take Jabari, then you might get an offer you wouldn't have otherwise, right? I don't think it's. It doesn't hurt to play close to the chest. Yeah, I mean, clearly, yeah, clearly they didn't trade it, but <laughs> yeah, but I mean, if you're mm-hmm. the number one overall pick, you don't need to. I still don't think you need to do the smoke screen. Yeah, you don't need to. Well, yeah. agree to disagree. I, a lot of people d- mm-hmm. are saying though that they thought Paolo was the best player in the draft. I've seen that like multiple times. Many draft grades have said that. That they made the best pick. There was number one on my overall big board. So I'm not really that convinced that they didn't make the right pick here. Oh, I mean, his defense is lackluster. Know. Well, so is, like so is Steph Curry's. So is Dame Lillard's. And yeah, I mean, Curry's yeah, an MVP. Steph is also four-time, a historical three-point shooter, and Paolo's shooting still needs to come yeah. around. But yeah, I, yeah, I, I like get This you. thing with Paolo, his shooting is like not great either. Like, I think he's only shooting like 32 or 33% from three, whereas it's like not great. But everything else, I mean, like, yeah, his handle is crazy. His passing is great. He he hits, like, mm-hmm. super tough shots all the time, which is important, especially on a team that's going to be kind of struggling for shots next year, like the Magic. Probably. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I'm rooting for him. Yeah. <laughs> Fellow Italian-American. He plays for the, the Italian national team, which is kind of fun. So, rooting for him for that. That's crazy. But... You know, he's 6'10", 250. He's kind of a stretch point forward. Again, I'm also rooting for him. Things are crossed there. Yeah. Let's go back, Lucas. Let's go back to you. What do you think the best pick of the draft was? I think it's no question, Jaden Ivey. Mm. Um, and not because, not necessarily just because, like, I like that he's a Notre Dame connection. His mom's the coach of the Notre Dame women's basketball team. But I think he was pretty universally agreed upon as the fourth best player in the draft, and the Kings passed on him, and he fell right into Detroit's lap where he's, like, a perfect fit. I think him and Cade in the backcourt are going to be a real dynamic duo. Um, Cade is sort of more like reserved and methodical. Ivy's got that flash. I think they're just going to pair really nicely together. And it doesn't often happen where a team passes on a really good player, and it's also a really good player who fits perfectly into your system. And I think the Pistons got exactly that in Ivy. So I think, yeah, Ivy's the best pick of the draft. I think the the Pistons are going to be pretty scary in a few years. They have a lot of really good young up-and-coming players who all fit well together. Yeah, I feel like Jaden Ivey is the overall no-brainer. And this we'll tie this in with the worst pick of the draft. But funny enough, mm-hmm. the the Kings have been one pick away from picking probably, let's say, the best player in the draft. They, in mm-hmm. 2018, they picked Marvin Bagley with the number two overall pick. Luka Doncic mm-hmm. went third. In 2012, mm-hmm. they picked Robinson with the number five pick. Dame Lillard went sixth. 
In 2011, mm-hmm. Jimmy Fredette went number went tenth. Clay Thompson went eleventh right after them. Mm-hmm. And this guy yeah. just feels like another situation. And I I've harped on the Kings many years for saying, why are you keep drafting point guards? Like, oh, it's Tyrese Halliburton, and we have Darian Fox, and we just draft point guard after point guard after point guard. And then now this feels like the situation where it was so obvious to pick a point guard, and they reached and they got Keegan Murray. And not saying that Keegan mm-hmm. Murray is bad. I know that the people have said that he's a pretty NBA ready level type player, but I mean, overall just it, it's definitely a massive reach and they could have traded back at some point for somebody who wanted to get Jaden Ivy, but instead they went and they, they reached at Keegan Murray. And at the end of the day, we have no idea. He could turn out to be a fantastic prospect, but I think most people would agree that Jaden Ivy would, would have been the guy that they should have gone with. Yeah. I, I was going to mention that pick for my worst pick yeah. as well. Yeah. Um, for for another good pick before we move on, I wanted to shout out uh, Ty Ty Washington at twenty nine, specifically. Or I, I don't know. If, I think it might be, maybe it's TT. If anybody knows, please let me know. But uh, I mentioned him because the Athletic had him at fourteen. So the the Rockets overall had an excellent first round, and he was like the cherry on top because they basically mm-hmm. more than, like you could say more more than doubled his his like draft expected draft position, which is pretty wild. So I'm always happy to see teams make smart picks late. Uh, on guys who fell another person i was going to mention was jeremy sochan i think that's how you say his name to the spurs at nine because i also saw some big boards have him really high up and he's part polish so i have to i have to give him a shout out yeah for sure i want to throw in one i think the sixers had a good draft night even though they um they didn't actually draft anybody um they benefited a lot because the nets passed on the pick this year there was a pick swap they could either take the pick this year or next year from the uh, simmons harden trade um, and they passed on it, so they had a, um, a pick this year, and they turned it into um, D'Anthony Melton, who's a really, really good like three and D type guy, um, good hustle guy who like fits into their team. So, I think that that's like a huge upgrade for them in that category, um, especially with Danny Green being out basically, and they traded him away in it as well. Um, so he sort of fills that role really nicely, and is younger. Yeah, and. I think that the the Rockets didn't do anything crafty in order to get into this position, but having Jabari Smith fall to you at number three, I think is a fantastic get for the Rockets. He was, you know, they were, they were flirting with him being the number one overall pick. Uh, He, he was probably my number one player in this draft in order to get that at three. I think that's fantastic. Um, Jason Tatum, a similar guy who went at three uh, back in the Lonzo ball draft was, He's now the best player out of that draft class. I think that it's very possible that the Houston Rockets did get a franchise cornerstone in him. And a lot of people have been saying on sports media that there was not a franchise changing player in this draft. That This draft does not have any many stars. There are no cornerstones. And although I don't think that there was like a Luka or a Dame or, you know, one of those type of guys, I still think you can get a franchise cornerstone in a draft like this. And Jamar, Jabari Smith has plenty of upside as far as just being like a really big stretch big basically like he he is a fantastic shooter he's a fantastic he's an effortless effortless scorer and i don't know why he couldn't be a franchise cornerstone so i think the rock is getting him at three was fantastic does anybody have any sleeper picks that they want to throw out there yeah i have a christian coloco um he is a junior from Arizona. The Raptors took him at 33. He's like a perfect Raptors guy. Like, he's like long, he's athletic. 
blue collar. He's a great defender. He was Pac-12 Defensive Player of the Year last year. And I think he's the type of guy that will fit in perfectly into the Raptors system. Um, They'll coach him up, and he'll be great. Yeah, I was going to go with Jalen Williams for the Oklahoma City Thunder. Kind of put that together with Chet Holmgren. They're both – Chet is obviously he's a seven-footer. Jalen is a six-six playmaking wing. And if you think about that roster, they have Shea Gillis-Alexander, Josh Giddy, uh, I think they had D- Lou Dort, they have Chet, they now have Jalen Williams, and they have a really versatile group of young players that they can kind of put in. And mo- for the most part, you would assume that they can play one through five. And I think that they're going for something similar that Toronto has done, where they just get a, a bunch of guys who are like, Six eight and can guard all, one through five. Uh, it, it's it's gonna be really interesting to see what what the Thunder do because they have a lot of versatility when it comes to the players that they've picked up. They also drafted two Jalen Williamses, yes. totally differently. Yep. yep. But yeah. Uh, there, we saw that there was a guy named Nikola Jovic who got picked. Like, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. I was like, oh. Um, yeah. I wanted to shout out one other guy, which was Jaden Hardy. To the Mavs at 37. Uh, he was the top scorer for the G League Ignite this past season. He was really good in the G League. Uh, the Athletic had him at 20. So for him to get taken in the early second round instead is another great uh, value pick. And he might be, he's like apparently trash on defense, but he gets buckets. <laughs> and that's what we care about. <laughs> exactly. Who needs defense? Jason Kidd will fix him up. There you go. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Defensive juggernaut, Jason Kidd. They had a mm-hmm. good defense this year. Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> mm-hmm. All right, to close out the to close out the segment, let's go ahead and let's go around. Let's pick who will win Rookie of the Year. Lucas, let's start with you. Jaden Ivey. I think he's just in the perfect situation for him to succeed. I think the Pistons are probably the best of the teams that picked in the top five, and I think it's just going to really work out well for him. Um, I think Paolo is going to be super inefficient. I think Chet is too raw of a prospect. I think Jabari is on just an awful team and an awful organization, so he's not going to get to shine. Oh I, you know, fine, fine overall. I mean, at the time, at this time, though. Um, and so I think then it falls to Ivy, and I think he's just in such a good situation. He's such a great player. So, yeah, Jane Ivy, Rookie of the Year. Bart, what do you think? I'm going to go with the lazy take. I'm going to say Paolo. I think he, he makes sense to me because he will get to do anything he wants on the Magic offense, whereas I think Smith and Jaden Green uh, or Jalen Green will siphon shots away from each other. Uh, Cade and Jaden Ivey will siphon shots away from each other. Paolo is basically going to be running that Magic offense, so I think his numbers will look better at least. Jared, you have a pick? Yeah, I'm going to say Paolo as well. Not that I watched much college basketball or watched him that much, but good name and like bart said it would it would make sense that if you're going to the worst team you're gonna have the most time to shine and i feel like this is an award that typically does go to like one of the top two or three picks so yeah and i'm gonna finish i'm gonna pick jabari smith i think that he is an effortless effortless scorer um, i think that he is kind of a, a bright spot in a really bleak situation i know that they have green but Overall, I think that they're going to look explosive. They're probably going to put together a handful of highlights, and I think that that's going to win you the award. It's just whether you look good, people will kind of start to think you play good. Mm-hmm. But moving on, we're going to talk about some NBA, pretty much pre-NBA free agency stuff. Kyrie Irving and Russell Westbrook are, there's a lot of chatter leaning towards the Lakers and Nets swapping these two. 
Both players have now opted into their player option. Westbrook will make like $44 million. Kyrie Irving will make like $36 million or so. So the reporting around both the Nets and the Lakers are extremely confusing and pretty conflicting. Right now, both Westbrook and Irving are going to be locked into their player options, but it doesn't make it impossible for them to swap uh, the two. It does knock off a couple easy pass as far as like Kyrie Irving opting out and playing for the Lakers for like $6 million, which you wouldn't really put it past a guy like that who clearly has other motives. There is one thing confirmed between the two in the mixture of all these really confusing things. The Nets and the Lakers are dramatically wedged between a rock and a hard place. At every turn, the Nets have empowered Kyrie Irving to do whatever the hell he wanted to. <laughs> Kyrie and KD signed. They, they were like, uh, mom said you had to let me come with, with DeAndre Jordan. And the Nets gave Jordan a $40 million contract and they made him a starter. Kenny Atkinson, when he said, yeah, I don't know if Draymond or, uh, DeAndre Jordan really is a starter. He took him out of the lineup. He got fired for it. And then Kyrie and Katie said, let's bring our guy in. They brought in Steve Nash. He gets the job. He has no clue what he's doing. <laughs> mm-hmm. Kyrie takes two weeks off in January, presumably because he was so rattled by the insurrection at the Capitol. But for a public speaker, for a guy who is the Malcolm X of our generation, we wouldn't know because he didn't actually say anything about it. A couple weeks after that, he has gone for another week because of, of family matters, which I don't want to belittle, belittle uh, family matters and events like that. But I think he was spotted at a birthday party at some point during that time. So, I don't know. It was also more confusing. So, then we go on and we move on. And we wipe our hands really clean of Kyrie. We start a new year. And then he misses half the year because he refuses to get a COVID vaccine. The Nets fall to the seventh seed. Ultimately, they get swept in the first round. And then Katie and Kyrie want to trade their dear friend James Harden to join the team. So, they trade for him. They get rid of all their young players. They put all their assets in first-round picks. Kyrie does not play because he doesn't get the vaccine. Harding gets frustrated and he leaves. At every turn, Kyrie has hamstrung the Nets. The Nets have allowed him to do whatever he wants to do, so much to the point where he thinks he is in bed with the owners and they're planning the next step of their organization. (laughs) The Nets are clearly frustrated. They clearly want to regain control of their franchise, so much so that that they're willing to lose Kevin Durant in the process. That was one of the reports. They would rather lose them both than to bring back Kyrie. Now when they're talking about contracts, nothing's working out, and apparently we're all supposed to be super shocked about it. Of course they can't get a contract done because Kyrie thinks he's an owner and the Nets just want him to play some basketball. Yeah, I, yeah. <laughs> I have the same thoughts. I would not touch Kyrie with a 10-foot pole. Even with the Lakers, there's no way. At least with Westbrook, first off, I think Bart said this, fundamentally untradeable, right? But... At least with Westbrook, you know he's going to play and he's going to show up and he's he's going to like play hard too. Kyrie, you just don't even know if he's going to make it to the gym that day. There's no way I'm trading to have Kyrie on that team, unless you can get him on like a six. If I don't know where that report came from, why a six million dollar contract? I would do that, no, but well, I don't. Waj was was saying that he would do that, and people were saying that that might have been planted by the Lakers. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it's what he would have had to sign on uh, if he took the minimum level exception. Like, that was the only way that he could have just signed without getting traded. So that's why people were saying that might happen. Gotcha. I mean, if you could do that, you don't really lose that much. Sure, but there's no way you're at this point that you were trade that you're going to trade for. Definitely. I don't know. I I, I, I might take Kyrie. 
Like I, okay. I listen, listen. I realize, I know everything that Wyatt said is absolutely true, but I think that there's still a higher upside on him than there is at Russ at this point. Yeah, and I've like, I've long been a Russ backer, but it's just like, I think he's just like past it at this point. And I think with Kyrie, he probably still has a couple good years left in him. His handle is still crazy. He can still score. He can still pass. The last time he was paired with LeBron, like. They won a championship. I mean, did it end poorly? Yes, but, you know, papering over that. Uh, and they still won a championship last time they played together. And I just think that, that, like, I don't know if I would, like, straight up do it, like, guess 100% send it, but I do think the fact that Kyrie, I think, has more upside than Russ does at this point, like, at least intrigues me on that offer, if I'm the Lakers. Yeah. No, you're right. And that's the tough thing, is... Is a lot of people have been saying this is like nobody's doubting. I think Wyatt, you've said this too, that Kyrie is a super talented player, one of the best in the NBA. I just, if you want that consistency and you get into a playoff, deep playoff series, do you know that Kyrie is going to show up for that game? You don't. You don't know. No, I'd rather have that reliability right now. And I, I, Jared, I just, uh, I don't think anybody disagrees that Kyrie Irving is one of the best players in the league. He's probably one of the five best point guards in the league right now. And nobody is discrediting his ability to play basketball the same way that we have with Westbrook. People right now don't think Westbrook is a very good basketball player. There is a clear priority for Kyrie and it's not winning basketball games. He does not care about playing basketball. That is obvious. Everything he has done up to this point, it's obvious that he does not, his number one priority is not showing up and playing basketball. If Kyrie Irving was playing basketball at a regular level uh, on a regular basis. Let's say he got the vaccine, whether or not his choice, you know, he has the right to choose. Um, but if he was locked in on winning, I don't think the Nets would, there would even be the conversation that he would be on his way out or the Lakers would even trade for him. But because Kyrie Irving takes time off whenever he wants to with his unlimited PTO package, when he signed it, it, <laughs> it that's, that begs the question of whether or not Kyrie Irving is a good fit for the Brooklyn and whether or not LeBron James can, quote, ring him in. One thing that I haven't heard mentioned yet is the Russell Westbrook and Darvin Ham. Like, I, would, I, th- I find it fascinating that he averaged a triple-double his last season with the Wizards, 22-11-11. He had this trash season with the Lakers, but, like, I feel like there's optimism on the, in the Lakers organization that with a new coach and with a new offensive scheme, he might actually look decent again. I feel like it's, it would be very weird to me if Russell Westbrook just fell off a cliff last year and it's never coming back that would be strange to me like i know he's really reliant on his athleticism which is part of it but like Mm -hmm. they might be better off with him than people are giving them credit for based on last season i I just think that's a possibility we don't know what darvin ham as a coach is going to look like but i think there is some reason for optimism yeah i i've i think i've provided this take before on the podcast russell westbrook's best role is a role that he's never done before and it's it's a spark plug off the bench the reason why he's always averaged triple doubles is not because he puts together the most efficient basketball we've ever seen. It's re- in fact, rather the opposite. The fact that he is like the highest volume, high energy point scorer, you know, the same thing when he was in Oklahoma city and he had the triple double record is because he was the only guy on that team that was asked, asked to score with Westbrook. Give him 18 minutes to put together some of the least efficient basketball we've ever seen, but he might get like 25 out of it. And then, put him back on the bench and let somebody else close out the games. The only reason I'm hesitant about it is because Westbrook has never been a fantastic decision maker 
And anytime he's on the floor with LeBron James, and Anthony Davis, you kind of run the risk of him throwing off the entire offensive flow. Yeah, yeah getting get older in basically. Sorry, what what did you say, Jared? <laughs> so he's getting older and wiser though. Yeah, decision making come to his senses. I have just like Harden. I heard a take today that uh, he he might not have the depth perception that he used to, and he needs to get what? surgery. <laughs> just he's like Jameis, is that what you said? Yeah, it's pretty much just, just like, like Jameis. That was also the example brought up. That well, the mm-hmm. jury's still out on whether it helped Jameis because we didn't really get to see <laughs> yeah. That. He, he go to a different. He went supersonic at the first, at the start of the year last year. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> he had like he went, 130 yards or something. He didn't have that. He didn't do that much. That's supersonic, Jerry. That's supersonic. <laughs> okay, he, he went crazy in the air. 130 yards in the air, not on the ground. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, between the two, between Westbrook and Kyrie, which one of them is more desirable? I think Kyrie. Just like in like, a vacuum. I'm just, in a vacuum, yes. But in real also, life, no. In real life, <laughs> if we're applying, a, if we're applying a multiplier of like, I hate the best, the best abilities availability thing. I don't think that's true. So I think that like in a vacuum, <laughs> <What>? <laughs> you know, you know the phrase where it's like, yeah, well, I know the, the phrase. I'm, I'm, I'm reacting <laughs> to what you said about it. <laughs> I don't like it. It's why Embiid has never won an MVP. Uh, if Embiid played 82 games a year, he'd have two MVPs at this point. Mm-hmm. I'll say that. Well, you're not um, valuable to your team on the bench, so that's true. Go. But that being said, if you are, if that's a rookie. <laughs> maybe LeBron will get it into Kyrie's head that he needs to play. Uh, um, maybe I, I think it's Kyrie. I think Kyrie just has such a higher upside than Russ at this point. Yeah, I'm gonna say Westbrook though. I'd rather have Russ right now. I'd say Kyrie. You can't really separate the art from the artist in this. You know, he's going to take time off. But if I were to, I'm imagining this. I'm saying Kyrie, if he is playing on the Lakers. If it's, if both players stay on the same team, I might go with Westbrook because I think LeBron is a difference maker for me. But I would say Kyrie, assuming they both switch, I would pick Kyrie. Yeah, I think, I think you have to answer it as if they were in the same place. Which one would you prefer? I'm going to say Russ, Russell Westbrook just to make it two for two. And because I was just mm-hmm. defending him. <laughs> put it to a poll. Yeah, yeah, we'll put the poll have. up. Um, I, I want to toss out this idea because this is something that popped in my head earlier today um, when I was walking around. Imagine this. the There's a three-team trade and everybody kind of gets what they want. The Lakers send Russell Westbrook to the Pacers. I know that they declined to trade for Taylor Horton Tucker and a first round pick. But imagine it's Taylor Horton Tucker, first round pick and Russell Westbrook go to the Pacers. The Pacers send Malcolm Brogdon to the Nets. The Nets send a first round pick back to the uh to the Pacers, maybe a young player or whatever. I don't really care. The Kyrie gets traded to the Lakers. So pretty much the Lakers would get Kyrie, the Pacers would get Russ, and the Nets would get Malcolm Brogdon. And everybody gets to switch their problem point guard for the other person's problem point guard and then the paces can buy out Russ or whatever, and they everyone can move on. Do you think anybody would say no? Listen, yes. n- no offense to Malcolm Brogdon. That's Malcolm Brogdon of early top five MVP <laughs> voter. Yes, thing, uh-huh. right? I, uh-huh. No offense yep. to him, but I don't think the Nets would prefer him over the weird Kyrie-ness, personally. He's available. 
<laughs> yeah, but is he He's around? Is he the best availability? Is availability? People <laughs> have said that. <laughs> Even yeah. See, this, this is what I'm. This is what I'm talking about. This is why the best availability is not availability. You're telling yeah, me you'd rather mop a broad than avail- Okay, no. <laughs> <laughs> it's availability and ability coupled together, not just one or the other. How many titles has Embiid's ability gotten, Luca? He's got a bad supporting cast. <laughs> He's always had. He always has. You were gonna give James Harden. You know who the plays Super 82 Max. games? Danny Green. He has multiple championships. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but Danny Green tours ACL next year. So yeah, actually, I don't even know. Point. Next year. I just made that up. <laughs> Jordan Poole plays eighty-two. He probably does, and he's he's hoisting the trophy this year. Oh, Drew. Causation you know who else played eighty-two late. games? Giannis. Uh, maybe, maybe Jalen Green. You know, some other people that didn't win titles. I don't think Giannis played every game this year. Last year, he did probably. No, it wasn't. I thought that the number of total players who played all the games was like you could count on one hand. I, th- I thought yeah, Giannis is one of them. Let me see. No, I don't think I don't think Giannis is because there was the whole COVID outbreak in like January across the whole league. Oh, okay, that's true. When people were playing with like G League, seventy two. Oh no, that was sixty three. Oh, sixty one. It's getting worse each year. Yeah, Giannis played sixty seven games last year. Okay, and yeah, they, tell me that the best availability is availability if Giannis played sixty seven games. Who? Who? Uh, literally, Denny Avija, Sadiq Bey, Michael Bridges, Kevin Looney, Kevon Looney, excuse me, and Dwight Powell. And Kevon Looney's a champion! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Have them share the MVP, five-way MVP. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Is it fair to criticize KD for the amount of attention, uh, to criticize KD so far at, at all the moves that have happened? No, I think it's it's annoying. KD's not my biggest fan, but... Nobody wanted him to stay on. <laughs> and you're and you're not here, and you're not his either. I'm yeah, exactly. I'm not. Uh, I should say I'm not one of Katie's biggest fans. But um, nobody wanted him to stay on the Warriors. Everybody told him to leave. These these championships don't mean anything. And now you're gonna get mad at him for trying to do it on his own. Sure, you can get mad at him for pairing up with Kyrie, but for him trying to do it on his own, I don't think he should get the criticism that he's getting. Like the Warriors, the year before he joined the Warriors, they won the most games in the regular season ever. Like everybody already knew that that team was absolutely loaded. I I agree. I think that the only problem Katie has had is that he's hitched his wagon to Kyrie Irving and now Ben Simmons. Like those are the two <laughs> least reliable players yeah. in the, in the NBA. Mm-hmm. Ben Simmons didn't play for an entire year. Kyrie Irving has missed plenty of time for personal reasons more than anybody else. And Kevin Durant has come out, has just gone out and played a fantastic basketball. And like you said, Jared, everyone told him to leave. So he left. And then now, like if he, if he had gone with somebody else, I don't think anybody would criticize him. And maybe, you know, it's a personal decision to go and tie yourself to Kyrie like that. But there has been nothing that Kevin Durant has done that has been bad since he's left for left Golden State. And even before that, Everybody was telling him, you need a ring, you need a ring. So he's like, all right, I'm going to join the Warriors and get a ring. And then, nope, those don't count. Go go join somewhere else. You know what I mean? It's like mm-hmm. the, the goalposts are always going to move with him, it seems like. Yeah, but, yeah. but one, th- one thing that I think is fair, people, people don't like how he's like, he is constantly defending Kyrie, which is like what Wyatt was saying. He's tied himself to Kyrie unnecessarily, but like he could call his teammates out for, you know. <laughs> doing whatever they do and not mm-hmm. choosing to play games, which I think is a fair criticism. Instead, he's like very buddy-buddy with Kyrie. And it's, yeah. yeah. Is, it, is it optimal for them as like a basketball team? I don't think so. 
personal choice, I guess. Yeah, personality. Whatever. <clears throat> That's going to do it for this episode. If you like everything you heard, go ahead and like and subscribe to us on your favorite podcast platform, as well as follow us on social media, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at lunchpailguys underscore. That's going to do it again for this episode. We really appreciate you guys. Have a good one.